that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Hope everybody had a good weekend. It was a fun sports weekend, and there is plenty to talk about on today's show, as always, after the Cats and Cards play, both on the road, both getting nice road wins, comfortable road wins, uh, games that were not quite blowouts, but never really in doubt, especially in the second half. We'll talk all about those games. Kentucky basketball lands a unique commitment, a strange commitment, uh, one that me as a basketball recruiting analyst didn't see coming, uh, at least uh, when it did. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And it's uh, when, when Ty Winyard committed yesterday, he committed in New Zealand around seven in the morning on Monday morning, which is a pretty early time to commit regardless of where you are. Uh, but, but he committed around 7 a.m. his time, uh, and that was around one o'clock in the afternoon yesterday, Sunday, I was in the middle of a nice little house of cards bender, uh, very consumed by that Netflix original show. And all of a sudden I got my phone ringing and then I had to be on the phone. And before you know it, just minutes later, I'm talking to uh, a family in New Zealand uh, all the way around the world. So a busy, nice little Sunday. We'll talk about his commitment, why he committed when he did, what it means for Kentucky basketball, and when he's even going to play for UK. Because uh, as confused as you may be wondering when he will enroll at Kentucky, he seems to be just as confused. So we'll, we'll kind of dissect that a little bit. Uh, and again, cats get a win, cards get a win. Si- football signing day is not too far away, so we're going to need to slowly but surely switch our focus and talk a little bit about UK football recruiting, Louisville football recruiting. Uh, so it, it, the next few weeks should be fun as basketball season heats up. It is officially Super Bowl week, uh, which I'm not still still kind of hurts talking about the the Seahawks and the Patriots, just knowing how it should have been and could have been the Packers. But we will talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Might have to wait a little bit longer in the week. As always, you can tweet in the show at T Walker Rivals. Would love to hear what you've got to say. Talk about it. And as always, I'm joined by Yates. Yates, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I, I, I guess, uh, we should follow up on what I talked about last week. I don't think I talked about it on the show. Uh, so I missed, I guess, three or, or four days yesterday or last week on the radio. Missed four days, and I, I, I discussed on the air how uh, I wasn't feeling well and had to go to different doctors and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I uh, got the results back, and it, uh, thankfully nothing too serious. I have an enlarged appendix, and I, I think the... Normal appendix is seven millimeters, I guess. I, I don't know exactly what. Uh, and mine's around 12. So it's, uh, it's a little bit bigger. And that was what is causing the pain, or what was causing the pain. I'm not in pain now. Uh, so probably get that puppy taken out. So everything's good uh, there. And don't expect to miss any more time. Obviously, if I had to get the surgery, then I guess I'd probably miss maybe a show then. But uh, that that's that's a little bit down the road. Anyways, 
Um, Yates, have you seen House of Cards before we get knee-deep into sports talk? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I, so, I, I, it seems like everybody but me had seen it. All my friends watched it and had been telling me for the longest time that I needed to watch it. And there's probably two different times over the course of the last year where I'd watched the first episode. And I was probably on my phone, probably on my computer, probably doing a little bit of work, doing this and that, and not really paying attention to it. So I I, I didn't like it. I I wasn't caught on after one episode. Uh, So I did it again, wasn't hooked. Uh, so finally, I just made a commitment to watch it and watch the second one and watch the third one. And then after the third one, if I didn't like it, then I could just call all my friends liar. Uh, but that wasn't the case. It, it was great. Finally, when I paid attention to it, I uh, haven't been able to stop watching it and also have the girlfriend watching it, which is good because uh, I'm glad uh, that she likes it too. But it's kind of bad because I have to wait till she gets home from work to be able to watch it. But we cruised through the first season in about a week. Just watched episode one of the second season, uh, but I won't give away any spoilers for those who haven't seen it, but it is great. Uh, Yates, when's the third season come out? Uh, here in a few weeks. I think uh, third third week of February, something like that. Last year it was Valentine's Day, but I think it's maybe a week later this year. Okay. Uh, and, and with this Netflix, and, and Netflix is kind of changing the game, uh, and Amazon as well, kind of changing the game when it comes to movies and high-end TV shows, being able to produce it all by themselves and only show it on their platform. Uh, but uh, what, do you, what do you do when it comes out, Yates? What did you do when it came out for, the, let's say, the second season? Do you, do you watch all of them right away? Do you span it out? It, it's kind of weird to have all of it released at one moment and you kind of get to pick and choose when you watch well how do most people go about watching these shows i don't know jeez this mic is terrible um it's hard to say how most people do. i think it probably just depends on the person i mean for the first season we sort of spread it out a little bit but over for the the second season i think we maybe watched the entire second season over the course of a weekend. Wow. That's, and I've, I've, I've talked to some of my friends about it and it kind of seems like they went, they went that route too, where they kind of watched all of it, binge watched it in in one sitting or maybe two sittings. It's, it's kind of weird. On one hand, that'd be awesome to just kind of take off a Saturday and not do anything but watch a show. On the other hand, when it's over, it'd kind of be a bummer knowing that, all right, you've got 51 more weekends until you get to watch it again. Uh, but it's, I'm going to be curious to see if this is going to be the way things move that, you know, maybe it hurts HBO and some of those bigger networks on TV with having great shows that won't ever come across cable. Uh, but we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, got a few tweets into the show uh, asking uh, about Ty Winyard uh, and, and what he'll play about Kentucky. We'll talk more about that. And uh, Captain Arctic asking, has there ever been an abdectomy uh, that was not an emergency? I guess this one isn't. Uh, but trying to be proactive about it because if it and it's if you have to if your appendix burst, I know that's very very painful. I've heard all about it, uh, but 
if that is worse than the pain I was feeling last Tuesday, then that would be, and I'm sure it is, but it's tough for me to kind of wrap my mind about how unbearable of a pain that would be. So we're trying to be proactive about it and uh, get that puppy taken out before that happens. And, you know, I guess appendixes can grow in size and then get smaller, uh, I think. Uh, Again, I'm not 100% sure about that, but I got the CAT scan two days after it uh after the the day of pain as you could as you could call it uh so if it had gone down then it it probably was much much bigger when it was in serious pain on that tuesday Uh, i would imagine probably at least double in size if not more than that Uh, but hopefully that that won't if i'm going to i think to see a doctor wednesday morning so i won't have to miss the show or do anything like that i'm trying to plan better so i don't have to miss the show I think Wednesday morning I'm going to go and talk to a surgeon and see what the procedure lasts and hopefully it won't keep me out if we decide to do that, which I'm sure we probably will. Uh, but anyways, let's let's stop talking about me at least for the next two to three minutes. Talk a little bit about Kentucky uh, and their and their big team win over South Car over South Carolina over the weekend. Uh, it was a place that obviously last year kind of marked the. It was the low point. It was the basement. Uh, But it also definitely probably changed Kentucky's outlook of the season. And and, uh, that's where Kentucky began to, I think, come together as a team and buy in and basically said it's it's now or never. If we don't start improving, uh, things are going to get worse. So uh, when thinking about last season's tournament run, I, I think it really starts with that South Carolina game. And that was a loss to a really bad South Carolina team. And, and this year's South Carolina team has improved, but not a team that's going to make the tournament. Uh, not a great team by any means. But Kentucky has struggled there. I mean, John Calipari struggled there. That's uh, the, the first place that the 2010 or 2009-2010 team lost with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. Their first loss came at South Carolina. It's a tough place to play. It's a place where a lot of U.K. fans get in, and, and a lot of U.K. fans make that road trip to Columbia. Uh, but it's a, it's the game for South Carolina fans that they circle, uh, and really that you know might be it, the Clemson basketball game, maybe. Uh, maybe when Florida's good, you can, you can get a, a good crowd in Columbia. But it's pretty much just Kentucky, and they showed out. Despite it being a noon game, they had a good crowd. It, it was a good environment. Uh, you did have plenty of Kentucky fans, more than I would have imagined. Uh, but it was a sellout. So I, I think the way that Kentucky was able to win that game, 58-43, and really you had that moment in the first half where South Carolina took the lead. I think it might have been 20, 24-23 or 23-22. They, they took a one-point lead, and that's when UK went on a big run to close out the half. And that's where you had, they ended up, I guess it was 11-0 run to close out the half. And then South Carolina didn't score to start the half for quite some time either. So to end the half and to start the second half was when UK really imposed its will. And to me, that was a big step for this Kentucky team. And you've seen them do it before. You've seen them have good stretches. But to do this on the road... In an SEC game, a noon game, and yes, you know, I, I talk about the sexiness of SEC games, and I've always said that if Kentucky's going to slip up, it's likely going to be in an unsexy matchup that they're overlooking a bit. Uh, I, I guess this 
Kentucky South Carolina game was the Ashley Judd of, of sexy games. Not you know not great, but not bad. Just okay. You had some storylines in the matchup, but it wasn't like Kentucky was going into a top twenty-five team. It wasn't like there was a ton of bad blood between these two programs. Yes, last year Kentucky lost there, but really besides that, there there wasn't a lot of storylines. Uh, so Kentucky in a game, a noon game, ESPN. There wasn't a lot of buildup around it. They're able to have that stretch where they look like a dominant, the most dominant team in college basketball. A, a very, very skilled, but also ready to listen to their coach and, and and lock in and buy in. And they did that at the end of the first half, and they came out of the gates hot in the second half and put that game away. That's the sign of a good team on the road. That's the sign of a team that can do that in March. So that's why I was most. That's why I was very impressed with Kentucky's fifty-eight forty-three win. I wasn't expecting a loss, and I and I thought I had you know I made that clear last week, and I wasn't really expecting a close game, and it wasn't. But I did think it would kind of be in that eight-point range where South Carolina would be a big shot and a stop away for making it really interesting. And Kentucky did a good job where it wasn't. It wasn't close to that. It wasn't close to that, and it wasn't Kentucky's best offensive performance, and that's something I want to talk about a little bit, because it, it you know, Dick Vitale was saying it, and, and Jay Billis was saying it on College Day, and, and a lot of national guys were saying it, and and, and the numbers up, well, and what they're saying is that Kentucky's not a great offensive team; they're not a, not really even a good offensive team, and to say they're not a great team, offensive team, I'm okay with. Uh, you know they're not. They 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 don't spread the floor with three point shooters. Uh, and, you know not that that's the only way that you can be a great offensive team, uh, but you know they don't have one guy that can you can take the ball, give the ball to, and he's going to create and score almost guaranteed. They don't have that. But I, but I, to say Kentucky's not a good offensive team, I think is just flat out wrong. And one of the reasons why is if you're Kentucky can't beat teams by 60 points every game. They can't beat teams by 50 points. And, and if they were a great offensive team like everybody wants them to be or expects them to be, well, they're still a great defensive team. So Kentucky has to pick and choose their style of play. If they want to try to play fast and, and, and really get the ball moving and, and get teams to run, that's going to hurt them defensively a little bit. I mean, it's just going to, you're going to have to. Because you got to be thinking about where you're going to be offensively, where you're going to go, where you're going to where you're going to get the outlet pass, and who's running. You know, think Indiana. Indiana's not a good defensive team, and they never will be. But they could be better defensively if they wanted to slow things down. But that would take away from their offense, and they're 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 a much better offensive team than they are a defensive team. So Tom Crean thinks, okay, well let's you know not a let's not abandon defense, but. Let's not key in on it, and let's just keep trying to score. Let's try to outscore teams. Well, John Calipari can make that decision. He can say, okay, well, let's let's try to beat teams with our offense. But when you've got the best defensive team in college basketball and in the, in the most uh, gifted and, and skilled defensive athletes out there, why go away from that? So to say Kentucky's not a good offensive team because they don't put up great offensive numbers, that's more of a style of play thing. That's more of they're they're not they're you know I'm not saying they're choosing to be a bad offensive team or they're choosing to only score 58 points. But if you're going to commit that much to defense and you're going to commit that much to trying to get teams in half court sets because you know they're going to shoot the ball poorly, 
then you're going to live with that. That's what you're going to do. South Carolina shot under 23% from the field. Under 23%. I mean, it's just an an unbelievable number. So I, I don't like the myth that Kentucky's not a good offensive team. I, I think you've got capable scores. I, I think all four of your guards that get significant minutes can all score, especially the Harrisons and Devin Booker. Tyler Eulis can score if he's open. He's not going to create. You know, at five nine, that's going to be tough for him to do to create his own shot. But he's a good passer, and he's going to get other guys involved. That's six assists against South Carolina. In the interior, uh, it can be difficult because teams are going to not try. They're they're going to not let Kentucky bully him around inside. So there's always going to be some double and triple teams. And, and I think UK's bigs are having a, a long adjustment period, trying to figure that out. Dakari Johnson wasn't great against South Carolina. Willie Cauley-Stein and Carl Anthony Towns, none of them were great. You know, they combined for nine points between the three of them, which, which brings me to another point where I said that UK needs to get one productive offensive game from their bigs to be able to to blow out teams and look good in these games. They didn't on Saturday. So I'd said that's something they needed to do. They didn't, and they still got a big win. So that's another sign of, of a good team, uh, in my opinion, not just proving me wrong, but to get really nothing inside and, and still be able to win. So there's this is, a, for the bigs, it's still an adjustment period. Offensively, that is. They're going to learn as they go. Uh, and Kentucky's very fortunate that they've been able to continue to win games as they learn to go. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll see if they ever get there. We'll see if they ever figure out a way to, to be able to, to score inside when getting doubled and sometimes triple teams. I think they'll figure it out or teams will start to play them differently because uh, Devin Booker is just not going to miss threes. Aaron Harrison can still knock down threes. The, the idea that you make UK beat you from the perimeter, I, I think, and I didn't think this at the start of the year, but I think that's the wrong way to go about things. So as teams, defensive teams, start to change their style of play against Kentucky to just give them open looks from the perimeter, that might open up things inside for the big guys, but we'll see. Again, Kentucky's fortunate to be able to to be able to learn as they go and still find ways to win. Still a young team. So I'm not buying the myth that it's a bad offensive team. I think they're a fine, good offensive team, top 10 in the country. It's just they're, they're committed to defense. Anyways, Captain Arctic tweets into the show and says that Carl Towns have to say we've gotten very little out of him offensively. Would he even consider returning? And, and that's interesting. And, and we're going to talk a little more about UK players that will come and go. We're probably going to have to wait till the break. But I'll but I'll answer this one uh, from Carl Anthony Towns, averaging eight points, six rebounds, and uh, two and a half blocks. Which for freshmen, if you if that, those are freshman numbers from a player at Purdue, then he's probably making all team something in the Big Ten the following season. If you if you had just a, a an average freshman at an average school, average, 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 eight points, six rebounds, and two and a half blocks, that's that's super impressive. 
but for Kentucky, for a Kentucky freshman, it's just kind of okay. He's still going to be projected in the top 10. He's a seven-footer that has an offensive skill set, and, and as we're seeing, he can block shots. And he's, aver- and he's playing under 20 minutes a game. To, I mean, to get those numbers while they look like average numbers, when I say that if you had a guy at Purdue, a freshman at Purdue, and I don't know why I'm picking on Purdue, but I, I kind of think that's just your mediocre program nowadays. But if you had a freshman at Purdue put up those numbers, those would probably be him playing 33 minutes per game. At Kentucky, he's playing 20. Under under 20. <coughs> Excuse me. So he's still going to be projected top 10. If you stretched out, if he were if he were playing 40 minutes per game, which John Calipari is really gung-ho about this year, which obviously he would be because it makes his players look better, and, and if his players look better, it makes him look better. So he he's doing the 40 minutes per game little niche. So then you'd have him averaging over 16 points and 12 rebounds and five blocks per game, uh, which is you know first pick type numbers. But he's not playing 40 minutes per game, and, and he has been a bit underwhelming, especially recently. Really, you have to go back to the Missouri game where he was able to do, uh, and, and he was quiet in that game, but the Missouri games was his, his last good numbers game, and he had a double-double. But his last three games combined 14 points, eight rebounds, and three games. Those aren't good numbers. But he, but he will go pro. And the thing is, I think Carl Anthony Towns would be the type of kid that would, wouldn't mind coming back. I think he likes college. I think he embraces college. I think he likes being a student. I think he likes playing for UK. I think he enjoys playing for John Calipari. If, he, if it weren't such a sure thing, I really think he would consider coming back. But how are you going to pass up being a top 10 pick? You can't. So, so I do think he will go pro despite him struggling lately. And you still have, you know, you still have twenty. You have possibly twenty-one games left on in the season if Kentucky were to make the national title. So that's a lot of game. That's a lot of time left. Those are a lot of games. So he'll get better. We're gonna head to the first commercial break. We'll come back. We'll talk some other players. Is Devin Booker for sure going to go pro? We'll talk about that. Louisville gets a big win at Pittsburgh. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about UK's newest commit, Ty Winyard, uh, the big Kiwi, the big blue Kiwi, as some are calling him. So stick around here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. To the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz, on a cold day here in Louisville. Could be worse. Yates, I was thinking last night uh, while driving in the rain uh, that I will take rain in January anytime. Because if it's raining in January, that means it's not cold enough to snow. And if it's not cold enough to snow, then I'm, I'm pretty happy. Do you, do you stand by that? Or, or do you, are you the type of guy that likes a little snow? 
Um, I don't mind a little snow, but if it's going to be more than, say, a, a dusting, I would just assume it be enough to shut everything down. Oh, that I I understand that logic. And I guess what was it? Was it Thursday night or Friday where it did snow? And we got maybe two inches. I I was okay with that because it just snowed during the night, and then by noon the next day, pretty much all the snow was gone. I guess that might have been Friday night into Saturday. Oh, I don't really remember. But I was okay with that. Uh, but I'm all for warm weather. I think we've been pretty lucky in Kentucky for the most part this winter. It hasn't. We haven't had a ton of the absolute freezing days. Knock on wood, we've only got a, a few days left in January. And then February. February is the sneaky snow month. It's the sneaky bad weather month. You know, people always think December and January, but I, it seems like in Louisville, February is the one where we get in the most trouble. But anyways, uh, and Yates, I was thinking over the break, and actually over the weekend, but but I, I confirmed it over the break. You know how we haven't had the PT's picks of the week, right? Correct, yes. <clears throat> and everybody's been pretty bummed. Uh, you know, we've gotten tons of emails and letters about it. Uh, Trevor has been just harassing me for picks. Uh, it's it's borderline. I've almost had to block his number. Uh, but I, I figured out what we're going to do. And this could be a little taxing for myself, but you guys deserve it. We're just going to do PT's Picks of the Week every day. So it's going to be PT's Picks of the Day. And what I'm going to do is it's going to be two or three games every night. I'll keep track of my record. Uh, I guess on Fridays, you know, I'll pick maybe two or three games for heading into the weekend. I'm, I, I can't promise that we might not forget a day or here or there, uh, but the plan will be to do it every day. So we'll start it today. We'll do the first seg- the, the we'll do the last segment today, and uh, we'll see how that goes. I think it'll go pretty well, though. Uh, and, and maybe we'll dip into the NBA here a little bit here and there if we run out of games. I think today is probably just going to be two picks a day. That's pretty exciting. Captain Arg tweets in. Okay, sorry about that. We had some uh, some issues with, with Skype, but we're back now. Captain Arg tweeted in, I apologize, that he thinks Carl uh, Anthony Towns, it's the way he looks when he tries to score and the contact issues. That was one thing, and we talked about it on the Cats Illustrated podcast this week, that we were that that that's an issue you're right captain arctic is that without a doubt uh, contact is bothering carl anthony towns and this is what i said on the podcast is it you gotta remember yeah you bet parents didn't want him to they wanted him to enjoy being a kid they wanted him to be able to enjoy his summers this and that uh, he's a golfer and a, and a really good baseball player and all those fun things uh, but they wanted him to to not play AAU. And AAU is when you, you really go against the best competition. In high school, you can. And if you play for a prep school uh, like Mount Verde Academy or Oak Hill or Huntington Prep, you're going to go against good guys pretty much on a night-in, night-out basis. 
But AAU is when you'll go with, you know, where the number one player in high school basketball will go against the number two player, and then the next night he'll go against the number three player. That's where the real competition is. And he didn't go against that. And, and I think that hurt his development a little bit uh, from, from really that exact point. Uh, I don't think he's used to physical play. I don't think he's used to going against physical guys. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns is a guy who dominated high school basketball in New Jersey. And, you know, he's a seven footer who would be lucky to get it to go against a six foot eight guy on any given night. You know, that would be a big guy that he'd be going against in high school basketball. You know, now he's going against six, 10, six, 11 guys every night and having to score against them. And, it, and it, it's hurting. It's hurting his game. And he's not really adjusting like, like maybe we thought he would. And then I think that's why you see him. He, I think he's great at using his body on the block and getting positions. It's once he gets the ball there that I think he's making some mistakes. You know, he'll post up, he'll, he'll do everything he needs to do, and then he'll turn away from the basket and go around the paint because guess what? In high school, if you've got a 6'6 guy on you, well, that's a very easy four-foot shot. Nobody's in your face. You made your move. There you go. Well, in, in college, you make your move, you're in the paint, you go away from the basket, and that guy's going to have his hand right there anyways. So not only are you going for away from the basket – and making it a longer shot, despite it still you know, only being four or five feet, well, you're going away, you're off balance, and you have a hand in your face. I, I, I think he just needs to be a little bit stronger, finish right, uh, right at the rim, and, and you know he, he's even had a few surprising dunks, and I, I think he needs to be a little more confident in his strength. We'll see. But as for some of the other guys uh, and who will go pro, and we have all week to talk about this, and really we have all season, and this is going to change. But, you know, you look at mock drafts, and and, and uh, I, I should have pulled one up. Poor planning on my part. But he, he, I, I saw Dakari Johnson going 30th. Um, Devin Booker, I think, going 14th. And then you had the Harrison Twins. I, I think one was at 51, and the other one was at 59 or, or something like that. You know, people making those mock, mock drafts probably know better than me. But if you can get Aaron Harrison with one of the last picks in the second round, that is an absolute steal. An absolute steal. But I'm not here to talk about their draft stock in terms of, you know, value. But should they stay or should they go right now? And it, it, it's, it's certainly starting to seem like the tide is turning on the Harrison Twins possibly coming back for a junior year just because they're not having the sophomore years that anybody thought. And and really, it's it's Andrew Harrison not having the sophomore year that anybody thought because I don't think you can really look at Aaron Harrison and, and say that he's been all that bad. You know, he leads the number one team in the country in scoring. Uh, he's been very, you know, he, he, he shoots a lot of shots, but that, that – I not a bad thing you know I think that comes with confidence UK needs him to shoot a lot of shots but he's averaging almost 12 points a game three-point shooting percentage probably could be a little bit higher Andrew Harrison is is having an okay season I think in my opinion over seven points and four assists per game that's okay now again that's not NBA that's not going to make NBA teams love him. But uh, 
as they can fit, uh, continue to drop down draft boards, you know, you really would have to think if they if they should come back. Now, I'll say today, here January twenty sixth, I would be shocked if they did come back. I think when they decided to return to school last year, it was under the uh, assumption that hey, this is our this is our swan song. This will be the last year that we likely play together. Let's make the most of it. Let's have fun. And I and I you know I think for the most part they are doing those two things. But I would be very very surprised again as of today, in late January, that they would come back. And they have until you know mid to late April to make that decision. I know they're in no rush, but I I think they will go. You know, I think Willie Cauley Stein will go. I think it's too risky as a junior to come back for your senior year. I think Carl Anthony Towns will go. Now with Devin Booker, I'm not as sold, and with Dakari Johnson, I'm not as sold. Uh, I think there's some notion around Dakari Johnson that hey, you can come back and be the center because he wasn't the center last year. He's certainly not the center this year. And I think he's had a little wake up call on his game that it's not just bully basketball where you can be stronger than the other guy. I mean, he's getting more bl- shots blocked than any player that I've seen this season. Putting up okay numbers, and, I, and I've said a thousand times that I'm a huge Dakari Johnson fan. But I, I think if any player on this team, he might have the most to gain by coming back. And with Devin Booker, if he continues this, if he's playing as well as he's been playing over the last, you know, five to ten games, then he he he'll go pro. Now there might be some sense, uh, and this might just be coming for me. I don't think he can keep it up. UK fans, I know, hope he can. And he's shooting 50% from three. But if he keeps that up, if he keeps playing as well as he's been playing, and I mean, he's without a doubt been playing the best for Kentucky lately. But he's been playing very well lately. He keeps all that up, he'll go pro. I think he'll come down to earth a little bit, and I think he'll have a tough decision to make. I think he could be a. Uh, I think ultimately could end up him being maybe a late first round pick versus him, him coming back. But don't underestimate the relationship between Devin Booker and Tyler Ulis. They they're not they're not the twins on this team. They're not the Harrisons, but they do have a very strong relationship with one another. They love playing with each other, and I, and I think the, they had perceived all along that hey, yeah, freshman year, okay, the the twins are coming back. That's fine. That will help us, and it has. If you don't think that they they've benefited from being able to come off the bench on this team, you're crazy. You're crazy. So much pressure has been taken off them thanks to the Harrison twins. But I think they were under they had the understanding that hey, we'll learn our freshman year, sophomore year, it's it, it's me and you. It's our show. And I think a little they're they're still holding on to that a little bit, even though Devin Booker looks like he could go pro. We'll see. A lot of time left though. A lot of time. Twenty one games. And, and we'll be able to to monitor this as the as the season goes on. Rob Blackhawk tweets in and says, that's interesting. Chuck said on TNT last week that AAU's hurting talented players because of competition level. 
and a lot's been made of AAU lately, especially Kobe Bryant's comments. But if Charles Barkley said that AAU is hurting talented players because of competition level, that's just insane. If he means it as in the sense that they're not playing competitive basketball during the summer, if they're not going against other good players, that's crazy. Now, this isn't the AAU of 10 years ago. If you're playing on the Adidas AAU circuit or the Nike AAU circuit, and even the Under Armour AAU circuit, which Under Armour is a little bit behind and not the most competitive circuit in the world, and if if everything if if all AU basketball is like Under Armour circuit, then then maybe you can make a case like that. But spe- but it's okay, and, and you you generally have mid level three and four stars playing in it. But Nike, Under Armour especially, and Adidas is good too. You go to one of those tournaments, and it, it, it's hard not to see five-star players playing against each other. You'll have to go out of your way to miss talent, top talent going against one another. So I'd be surprised that he said that. We need to go to our last commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Louisville's win against Pittsburgh. We'll do the PT's picks of the day. And we'll wrap up this Monday show that has absolutely flown by. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back. Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz, one final segment. Louisville gets a, a big win over Pittsburgh on the road. A lot has been made about Pittsburgh uh, playing at Pittsburgh. They, Jamie Dixon has a great record at home, uh, but not against Louisville. Louisville's been able to win there the last over the last decade, um, you know, I, I don't get it. Maybe Brick Patino just has Dixon's number. Uh, they're not, they're not affected from, uh, by, by the, the Pittsburgh zoo. Good game. Another good game from Chris Jones. Terry Rogier was phenomenal. 26 points, six assists. Uh, I almost think Jones might've been a little more impressive again, six to 10 efficient, able to hit three or four threes. Uh, and scored 17 points to go with nine assists. Uh, I, I think, I think Louisville has been playing better. You know that Duke game was an exception, uh, but but Chris Jones has been great for the Cards. Uh, and, and you know, interior for Louisville is just going to be it's going to be a problem all year. Matt Yang was okay, was able to score, uh, but nothing from Chananu Anawaku. And, and Montrose Harrell obviously isn't, isn't the issue, but he needs some help there. Uh, so that'll be a question mark for Louisville for the entire season, or maybe not even really a question mark. It'll it'll be a weakness for Louisville. Uh, but if you've got your guards playing like that, that's going to make things a lot easier 
for the cards. And it seemed like Pittsburgh just failed to, to realize, keep Louisville's guards in front of you. Don't let them buy you. But if you do let them buy you, then make them beat you. Make them finish. Make them find ways to score. Uh, because if you come off your man like they did with Matthew a few times and like they did with Montrose Harrell seemingly a, a dozen times, it's going to be an easy pass and an easy dunk. And I know at that point, Pittsburgh was a little bit desperate just trying to force something. But you, you can never leave Montrose Harrell wide open on the baseline. Just stupid. And they never really adjusted to it. Never really fixed it. And Louisville was able to win. It had a big lead. I think Pittsburgh might have got it down to seven for a moment there in the second half. Uh, but that game was never in doubt. But Yates, do you get the sense that, and, and, and I've said this about this Kentucky team, and, and, I, and I, I still think with UK there's some truth to it, but do you think Louisville might be a better team away from, from home for whatever reason? Oh, God. I mean, I'll say no. I mean, the two games they've lost at home this year have been against Duke and Kentucky, so. And that's that's my point, is, you know, they, they – the two games that they did lose at home, although they, they were really ugly games for Louisville. I mean, both those games aren't games that Louisville fans could could even feel good about afterwards. You know, you, you can lose to a team, and if you play well and the other team just plays slightly better, well, then, then you lost. Louisville looked terrible in those two games. And, you know, not overly impressive against Clemson at home and – uh, you know, there's there's been some other games, but away from the Yum Center this year, uh, the first game of the season against Minnesota. I know Minnesota's not a good team, but uh, looks very strong in that game. Uh, they 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 beat Indiana and just kill Indiana on the road. Uh, Western Kentucky, maybe not their best performance, but a, a gritty, tough win without Montrose Harrell for a half. They go to UNC and and should have won that game. I mean, played maybe one of their better games of the season. And, and just a late collapse costs them the loss. And then they go to Pittsburgh, a place that teams have trouble winning. Good teams have trouble winning and, and don't have any problems with them. So, uh, you know, there, there may be something may, may something to it. Uh, you know, the Indiana-Minnesota wins weren't true road wins. They were neutral court wins, but still away from the Yum Center. Well, maybe it, it, there, I do think there is something about getting away from your own building and kind of, you know, taking the the monkey off your back and, and being able to play a little freer, play a little loose, have the sense that we have nothing to lose. And you can, and, and sometimes any player will tell you this, that you can feed off a, a, a hostile crowd, even if they're hostile towards you. And it seems like Louisville's been able to do that. Uh, Yates, for, for your sake, you, you better hope maybe they are a better team on the road because, uh, Cards need to pack their bags. They're three of their next four are on the road. We'll see if that game against Boston College will even be played with uh, this blizzard that's about to hit the Northeast. But they'll go to Boston College, and then they'll have UNC at home, but then they'll, they'll go to Miami, a place that, you know, Miami's a top 25 team with some good wins, and then they'll go to Virginia, uh, which I, I saw on ESPN that, ESPN's made up little BPI or whatever their flavor of the month is. It seemed to make up stuff all the time. Uh, gave Louisville and or gave Virginia an 88% chance to beat Louisville in Charlottesville. 
Uh, you know, I think Virginia should be favored in that game without a doubt. But 88% chance of winning, that seems that seems a bit high. 88%. Crazy. Uh, but we'll see if Louisville maybe is actually a better team on the road during this little road stretch. Because uh, it's going to be tricky for, for the cards. Uh, anyways, uh, a good win nonetheless. Chris Jones has, has without a doubt been the MVP for this team since the Kentucky game. I guess really since uh, sitting out against, I think, Long Beach State, was it? Uh, since then, he's, he's come a long long way in a short time as a player. And if Louisville's going to, to make some noise this postseason, a lot of it will fall on his shoulders. Because you know what you're getting out of Terry Rozier. You know what you're getting out of Montrezl Harrell. Uh, anyways, all right, for the first time, we're going to do our PT picks of the day. It's an okay night of college basketball. Not a great one, but but they do have you covered from from 7 to 9, or from, from the 7 o'clock game and the 9 o'clock game. So if you wanted a good four hours of basketball, you can get it. Uh, so the, the first game I like tonight, PT picks of the day, I, I think Syracuse will cover 11 points at UNC. I don't think Syracuse is very good. I don't think Syracuse is going to win, but but I think Jim Beheim will have his team at least be competitive at North Carolina. And North Carolina has been a strange team in some of these games. Uh, you know they they don't they don't blow out teams at home, quality teams at home. Uh, it seems like they'll they'll let teams hang around. So I I think. Again, I don't think Syracuse is any good. I don't think they're a tournament team. But I think one way or the other, they'll be able to hang in there and, and at least be maybe within striking distance of UNC. 11's a lot. 11's a lot of points. All right, this next one's a, a bit of a, a prop bet that I saw, uh, but, I, but I like. I feel very confident about it. Texas plays at Iowa State tonight. And uh, both these teams coming off losses, Iowa State at Texas Tech. And Texas at home against Kansas. Kansas is starting to play a little bit better. But the, the prop bet is Miles Turner over under 11.5 points. I like the under. This will be a tough row game. It'll be a very raucous environment. You know, I, 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 I'm not going to say that he's going to score 8 or 6 or even 10 points, but it'll, I, it'll be under 11.5. I have a tough time believing the freshman. Uh, who doesn't get as many minutes as he probably should, will be able to find a, a great offensive groove against the Cyclone. So I'm, I'm taking the under on Miles Turner, 11 and a half. So we'll monitor these picks of the day. It'll just be, you know, two or three a day. We'll go from there. Uh, for the record, I, I like Iowa State to win that game. I think they're five-point favorites, but that's not the pick. The pick is Miles Turner there. Anyways, fun show today. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, 1450 The Sports Bus.